So welcome to another episode of the Coffee Roaster Warm Sessions podcast. We're back in the studio, back at the mirror, one half HQ. <laughs> um, and it feels weird. It feels like it's been a hot minute since we've been here recording. It even feels weird setting up the cameras again, the mics. It's just like the last month has been pure chaos with two weeks of that being in a few Asian countries. And uh, it's been, it's just been wild, but we've, we came back home to a few interesting, fun little surprises with some coffee things. Um, (laughs) Sergio was confused there for a second. Um, But that all being said, um, we have some new coffees on the way. So some exciting stuff coming, uh, which I think you guys will all enjoy. more podcasts more episodes we're kind of trying to get back in the groove of things um and yeah so before we go on though and talk about indonesia a little bit and our experience and the origin trip uh as always i've missed this but let's pour some more batchy it's two weeks so weeks um funny enough like this morning i feel like i had one of the best pour overs i've made i made it at the house and uh you would be surprised at coffees I threw in, dude. It was a mix, dude. It was what? a mix. It was uh, a little of a blend. Two of our new coffees and our Ethiopia whoosh whoosh, which I was completely shocked. And my extraction time, I I, I put like twenty in, three twenty for water, and my extraction time was only two minutes and forty seconds. It's kind of a it was a tasty brew. It was completely caught off guard by that. So strange it was super strange. strange it was weird with that said like those two new coffees are going to drop soon and then i think we're going to have our biggest menu since we launched yeah um, it's scary yeah. we're gearing up for a so lot of coffees folks, folks have been thinking that we're quiet we're not quiet we're no, just no, no. working in the back yeah, yeah we're i mean yeah. yes we're quiet but yeah, we're yeah, working yeah, fair. don't yeah. don't don't, yeah. don't assume that we're just sitting on the sidelines yeah so uh we have a lot of fun stuff coming up um so it should be should be good. I mean, just give it a sniff. It's hot. Okay. Haribo pit peach. Peach? Yeah, it's uh it's almost like the peach rings. Almost like the peach rings. Or is it her I'm, I'm not stuffing my face it. into right into the craft because I'm trying to get as much aroma as, as possible. much peach as possible. I need I need to look it up. Uh folks are probably listening to me say that and making fun of me because I don't pronounce it right. I mean, lots of lots of interesting fruit, um, lots of fruit. It's it has this delicacy to it, mm-hmm. um, folks. This is an Ethiopian natural. Oh yeah, by Here, the way, this is what I'm talking about. Have you had these before? Oh, of course. It's been a while though. Yeah, those are great. It's been a while. That, wow. That's what it smells like, wow. dude. Uh, four ounce bag at Target, buck ninety nine. That's a deal. <clears throat> that's a deal. Oh yeah, it's oh, oh yeah, dang. Straight up. Yes, 100%. Yeah, like, I just got a hit, yeah. and I'm like, that's the only thing that crossed my mind. Yeah, yeah very, very, very interesting. Like, lots of interesting fruit. Um, delicate, I think, or soft or gentle. Soft, yeah. But soft doesn't mean that it's not punchy or intense. Mm-hmm. It just has this, like... I don't know, delicacy to it, which is probably coming from because this coffee is like pretty lightly roasted. Yeah. I mean, this might be controversial, but it's too light for me. Oh boy. I mean, maybe borderline. It's like, gosh, 
I don't know. Maybe I'm we'll, wrong. We'll cup. We'll cup yeah, this we'll after cup the podcast. Later, yeah. So, I mean, but it's definitely light. It's definitely airy, gentle. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, maybe I take that back. It's just very, very light. Yeah, yeah. But I will say it's a natural Ethiopia. It doesn't. Ha- it's not as boozy, Mm-mm. and it's not. There's li- There's almost. I would say no. No fermentiness on there. No, I don't it's taste any. Actually, tastes like a really bonkers washed. Or maybe that's a stretch. So it, remember those facsimile coffees that we had like what, two years ago when we were doing the stuff with uh, mm-hmm. Ryan? <clears throat> that uh, Uraga, was it, that we had? Yeah. Was absolutely nuts. I, I think it was crazier than this from Which, my memory. That remember? we had or the, no, on the cupping was? On the cupping, the facsimile cupping. Oh, I don't remember it. But. Or was it a Guji? Well, Uraga and Guji's, yeah. Yeah. Man, what was the coffee? It was a strong blackberry, super comp- a perfumey. That coffee was punchy, but that was washed, if I remember yeah. right. In fact, the facsimile one. Yeah. No, this is this is very clean. It's very, very clean. I mean, I, all the things are there. It's it's a it's really good. solid. It's, it's a really solid Ethiopian natural. Yeah. This is actually it's not too light. Now that I cooled. Yeah. It's good. It's just what you're saying. It's so delicate. Yeah. That it's a kind of unexpected. It's very unexpected. Yeah. Especially from an Ethiopian natural. You're kind of expecting the classic. Like this would contrast our Sadama that we have, the natural, or not the Sadama, the uh, the Gimbal Kefa yeah, that we yeah. have, the natural. The whoosh, whoosh, it's, yeah. yeah. It would, it's contrasty to that. This is delicate. Ours is like big bodied. Yeah, it's going to run jam. you over. Yeah. Jammy. Stuff like that. So very interesting. This is actually Prodigal's, uh, Prodigal Coffee's uh, Ethiopia Natural um, with notes of what is it? Apricot, watermelon, cranberry. Um, this was sourced, I guess, with Christopher Farron. Um, a coffee that is raved about by many people, not just by Scott, it seems. Seems like it's just a killer green coffee. Yeah. Um, but it is, I mean, I'm enjoying it. Once again, I, I, I don't know. I'm kind of teetering on that. Like it might be too light, but it's, but too light doesn't, well, this is what I appreciate about some of the coffees that I've had recently is that although they might be teetering the borderline of being too light, they're still very well developed. Yeah, they're it's not, not. They're not green. Yeah, yeah. you're not like saying, <clears throat> yeah. "Oh, this is too light because it tastes green, hay-like, grassy." You're just getting lemongrass, you know, and like insane acidity. This yeah. is actually tastes decently balanced. It just has a very vibrant, light, yeah. uh, roast flavor profile. Yeah, I would also say that the aftertaste is very long and very clean. That's what I like. Like between juiciness. Yeah. Between sips, it's just very pleasant. It just stays in your mouth very nicely. And the flavor continues to develop. So I like that a lot. Yeah. So a win. I like it. Pretty solid. The the also the grind size and everything is pretty in the ballpark. It's not not too bad. So yeah. It's good. But um that all being said, we just got back from a really crazy um trip. At least for me it was. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to go to Indonesia, supposed to be on the ground with you. Fortunately, it didn't quite happen. I wasn't able to get into Indonesia due to some passport visa situations. It was such a close call. Like we're talking about like an hour too late. 
of receiving my visa. And um, I ended up going back to Singapore for five days, like an impromptu vacation <laughs> that uh, ended up being phenomenal, extraordinary. Singapore was bonkers, but we'll leave that for another episode that we'll mm -hmm. cover here soon in the next week or two. Um, but I want to talk about your experience in Indonesia. This was your first time in a while going to uh, these coffee farms, producer, visiting producers, visiting farmers and connecting with them. And at least it's been three years since we've started Mir. So you've had, you've grown in your experience with coffee, you've grown in your skill set, you've grown in your perspective of, you know, sourcing, roasting, serving people on the other end. Um, you should share, what do you, what's, what was that experience like going back to this coffee producing origin that you've been to many times, but it's been a while, but now with all this back new, fresh background. Um, yeah. Yeah. I would say Indonesia is actually the birthplace of my coffee vision. Um, that's where it all started for me. And I've shared the story many times in the podcast. But there was a time when I went to North Sumatra, like right of, uh, north of Lake Toba, and I stayed at a stayed at it was I don't know what to call it really. It was just kind of like a community home ish, mm -hmm. something like that. And um, we stayed there with a group of people, with me and I think six other people, slept on the floor. This concrete kind of like a almost like a warehouse thing, um, very primitive, very rural. Uh, one of the things that we did to connect with the community was we went out to the coffee farm and worked the farm uh, and worked just the farmland outside of even coffee. It was at the foothills of a mountain at that point was named a terrorist mountain. Um, I don't know why, but that's what they told me. I didn't make that up, you know. Are you saying this was the highlands of Sumatra? <laughs> Dude, not, probably. <laughs> if it was today, I'd probably see Snoop on Terrorist Mountain doing something. <laughs> no, uh, all, yeah. It, it was fun. It was great. It was, um, I don't know why it was, don't remember why it was named that. But that's what the locals told me. We stayed in the area um, and basically just worked with the local people, doing what the locals do kind of thing mm -hmm. um and that was where things really took off for me because i really got connected with the people and just saw that coffee was a very general thing that everyone does mm -hmm. it wasn't this flashy big idea of being a coffee farmer that's sometimes because we talk about that's kind of the ideas that we build up in our mind right mm -hmm. so <clears throat> we did that um I left, came back to Indo, I think a year after that. And I met another person in Bali. I was in Bali for about a few weeks um, in transition between islands and uh, met uh, this guy from South Africa, uh, Francois. And he told me about um, the impact that coffee has on the local community. So that inspired me more. Years later is when I finally decided, you know, heard the story on the last podcast episode where Taylor and I kind of went into this together and decided to work in coffee. And then, you know, come 2020, we officially launched Mirror with that in mind. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of history in a nutshell right there. So last time I was in Indonesia was 2016. It is 2023. So seven years wow. have passed. I didn't realize it was that long. That, yeah, because we Holy were supposed cow. to go in 2020, right, right, right after launching 
mirror. Right. We were going to do an origin trip and then COVID, right? Right. So a lot of time has passed. Mm-hmm. So going back to Indonesia felt like homecoming for me, but it also felt like this is all new. Um, yeah. One, a ton of a ton of coffee shops. I've never like seen how uh, prosperous the coffee community is and how coffee this coffee scene at in as a whole was just blowing up mm-hmm. and two visiting a coffee farm with a specific mindset of learning from the coffee farmer was very different than going to uh, north sumatra and just staying at a community house and mm-hmm. kind of witnessing how coffee farms are you know what i mean perspective is completely different the questions I asked were different. Mm-hmm. Um, what I looked for was absolutely different perspective. So with all of that said, I just went in with learning, with a, with, with a, like a learner's heart, like a teachable heart, mm-hmm. and be like, how much can I take on um, and what can I receive from this to understand what is happening at origin? Mm-hmm. So there was a lot, just a ton. Um, a few things I already shared with you. But a few things we Taylor and I talked about on the last podcast, uh, which if you if you haven't listened to the last podcast episode, please do. Taylor has been there what over ten years. Yeah, he knows the locals, the community, the villagers, and this is like as close to the source of podcast episode as you can get. It's like, anyways, yeah, um, and if. If folks follow me on whether it's Instagram or if they follow me on oh oh threads we haven't even brought up threads on the podcast <laughs> that was for the first um, you've probably seen my posts about sustainability and you've probably picked up on the fact that I had a very big confliction within me about how do wages and sustainability work together mm-hmm. and again what I want to make clear is this isn't a solution this isn't a statement that is true for every farmer. I want to avoid blanket statements. Um, this is what I experienced and saw firsthand. Mm-hmm. This isn't something that I was I read in a book. This isn't something that I read in an article. This isn't a blog post. And for folks listening, this is going to be secondhand. For me, this is what I saw. Like you saw, uh, mm-hmm. we, you and I talked about, I went to multiple ceremonies yeah. During my stay there, um, I was on the ground for roughly what six days, and I went to two ceremonies. And the thought process is, even when I went to those ceremonies, I'm like, "What does this have to do with coffee? If I'm on a coffee mm-hmm. origin trip, like, why am I going to ceremonies?" But the reality mm-hmm. is, what I learned is that because one of the main values for a coffee farmer in that area, specifically in northern Lombok. Uh, in the Bayon village, the biggest value is the ceremonies. Mm-hmm. So if we want to invest into farmers, if we want to make sure that we are giving more than just bare minimum for survival, we have to understand what do farmers want and need. Sure. And how can we give into that instead of bringing our own idea of what we want and need and saying, hey, I want this, so probably you do too you know i think correct me if i'm wrong but when we're talking about sustainability ethical practices transparency all this stuff they seem sometimes oftentimes when they're used for marketing for just communication on blogs everything articles 
oftentimes they can become terms without any personification. Oh, that's good. Like they just become like another stat. They become, um, <laughs> they'll appear on some graph uh, that people use in a keynote or they'll appear on a, on a blog post, on an Instagram post, whatever it is. All of a sudden now, it's very easy to just lose a sight of the fact that, oh no, we're actually talking about like a human's issue, not just a, hey, here's, here's A to Z. A to Z or here's steps one, two, three of how to be more sustainable. It's like, no, 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 listen, when we're talking about sustainability and ethical practices or whatever word you want to put in there, what we're actually talking about is how do we do business better with other people? How do we work together better? That's at the end of the day, what it's about. Not simply to get the fair trade label, get this, get that, say that you have transparency and whatever. And when we're talking about how do we do business and how do we work together as humanity that's on opposite sides of the world, we actually have to get to know each other more deeply than the business itself. Mm -hmm. There has to be some understanding of their background, their values, their lifestyle, their capabilities, their resources, their families, their cultural background. That's like part of this whole thing. Like it's one thing, once again, like I personally think that writing a check to some nonprofit or to some, to some organization, writing a check that says, Hey, I paid a dollar more per pound is the easiest solution. Yeah. Guys, it's the easiest solution. Right. You can easily just mark up your coffee this much. It's not going to hurt you. The end consumer pays for it and you didn't have to do very much homework. You just abided by some some framework that says, hey, you get a pat on the back for doing that. But actually, I think a big part of like what we want to do, which I think is kind of different than what a lot of coffee companies do is like we want to be in the know-how of these people's lives and actually understand what are their values so that we can actually contribute to those things. Not just from, Hey, well, I'm just going to write you a bigger check because mm -hmm. as you've noticed, oftentimes that's, that may not be actually the biggest thing that they want or need. And if yeah. we're talking about caring for people, that's important. I think just a quick, because we don't have much time, just a quick, I think throwback to my trip to Guatemala where I met with Jorge Mendez, which his coffee has already landed. New Fresh Harvest, guys, it's coming. Yes. It's exciting. And for those waiting for the video about Jorge Mendez, it's going to drop with the coffee. This will be an experience. Let's go. Um, but the the thing there was like, I was like, great. I can see his operation. I can visit his family. I can get a literal visual picture of where this coffee comes from. And the crazy thing was he in response was like, hey, thanks for buying my coffee, but I also want to make sure that I'm growing and producing the coffee that you like and the people that drink your coffee like. Mm -hmm. And that was a huge, huge perspective shift because now there was a farmer and producer who said, you're buying my coffee, but it's my responsibility to make sure I take care of you and know your values, know what you need so that we can continue this relationship. Yeah. That, I'll, I'll tell you guys, there's no amount of contracts, there's no amount of money, there's no nothing that can pay for something like that.
Exactly. And I'm glad that you brought up uh, two things. One, I want to touch base on the fact that you said money is the easiest. uh, I don't want to add words to what you said, but it's sometimes is a cop out because it's a very easy solution. I also want to add to that. Oftentimes that that's, that's not a bad thing. It's like writing a check is, is a good thing. Yes. But I think what I want everyone to hear is that that is the beginning. Yes. That That's the floor. That's what we want to start at. Um, again, our partner in Sulawesi, Brett, Brett and Sasola Coffee are paying extra for Indonesian much, coffee. Much a lot of extra. Yeah. And it works. And it's a good thing. But the reality is that doesn't work for every farmer in the same way. Jorge Mendez has been farming and producing coffee much longer than Adi in the Bayon Village. Mm-hmm. I mean, the reality is Mir was the first coffee roaster at that coffee farm. They don't export any of that coffee. That coffee goes to the village and is transported locally on the island. I, Taylor, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even think the coffee has left Lombok before. Mm-hmm. So the experience with Adi is going to be much different than with Jorge Mendes. Yes. The needs of Adi are going to be much different than Jorge Mendes. What is the floor? They both need to get paid properly. Yes. That's the floor. On top of that, how we foster sustainability is is equivalent to how well we know Jorge, how well we know Adi. And that's how we continue growing that relationship. That's what we're talking about when we say that kind of relationship supersedes any contract are contracts necessary yes Mm -hmm. but a relationship will make that contract much sweeter much more intimate and much more sustainable i had somebody in singapore say like you're going to indonesia like to these farms that you're like working with like do you guys actually know what's going on at the farm level and uh that was like that took me back because I'm like, my first thought was like, well, yeah, ob- obviously. I mean, I don't know th- if there's another way. And then I'm like, oh, no, no, no. There is actually another way. Like, this feels, sounds very normal to us because we're in the industry where that part of the industry that prioritizes and values that. But I've realized like, oh, wait, no, that's actually something different. Mm-hmm. Um, which just was just like a interesting, like reality check for me a little bit. But that being said, um, what are some, like, what, what experiencing that now with your background, what was like a big thing that, how'd you come into this differently than the way you did before? Mm, Practically come into the origin trip or come in back, uh, into the origin trip. I mean, we had we had some goals. We wanted to see some things. We wanted to see the actual farm on a practical level. Mm-hmm. What does coffee growing look like? Very practically, we wanted to see processing. Like we wanted to see all the practical things. And from a practical point of view, I think one of the main things I took back the the things that we built, the greenhouses, um, the money that we've just given to Taylor, which we're not. Again, we're not benefiting from any of that. Majority mm. of those greenhouses that I saw yeah. are actually processing Robusta coffee, which we don't sell Robusta coffee. Yes. So witnessing that and then hearing Taylor on the ground talk about, hey, some of the, see this coffee right here? Uh, that's not for sale anymore. That's 
completely spoiled. That's probably not even going to be specialty. But this is going to help me with these areas where I can give or sell that coffee for very cheap. And it's going to actually help that village. Mm -hmm. That was mind blowing for me too. It's like, oh, we always talk about, you know, 80 plus coffees or even now it's like 85 plus. Um, And we don't think that there's other coffees that are still, um, you can sell those. You can uh, basically process those for specific, like ceremony coffee is not specialty grade, but you need a ton of them for those ceremonies. Oh, interesting. You see, and majority of people love Robusta coffee more than Arabica. Taylor mentioned that in the Mm -hmm. last episode. So those coffees are still important, even though Taylor pointed out, hey, this isn't good because, and this is good because, you see? Um, And then even watching how Taylor's like, hey, we need more labor, uh, but at the end of the day, I can't get sustainable labor where people continually work in coffee because we don't have big enough harvests to be able to produce more coffee. Mm-hmm. So that's a complication in itself that I'm like, oh, I see. He literally just needs people to be able to open up the coffee beds so they dry and then close them at night. That's literally it. And then rotate the coffees. Mm-hmm. So very practical things. Like we posted a lot of that on Instagram, like the the drying beds and all of the cherries drying, whether it's washed honey or natural, mm-hmm. like all of that. Very practical. I'm like, dude, Taylor, let us buy you some bins. Cause right now he's using very primitive tools to mm-hmm. be able to do anaerobic process coffees. So I think for the next harvest, which is next year, we're just gonna buy him some processing tanks. That's it. Very, very entry level. It's it's not going to cost anything basically, but it's going to help facilitate that. Mm -hmm. But again, just us helping in that very practical way doesn't solve the solution or isn't a solution, a full solution Mm -hmm. to what I see is needed on the ground there. And that's, hey, the harvest has to be big enough so that you can employ more people. So then in return, you can sell more coffee. It's all a trickle effect. You see what I mean? So hopefully uh, we'll see that change. We'll see them produce more coffee. Um, One of the things that Adi said at the farm level was very cool. Uh, It hit deep for me. He was like, you know, I look at this farm and I really want to pass on this farm to my kids. That's his goal. I'm like, sick. I love that. I love generational stuff. But then he kind of pauses and says, but at the end of the day, I understand that God in this land has to yield the harvest. He's like, I'm all, mm. almost at this mercy of saying, man, I hope it happens and I'm gonna do everything possible mm-hmm. to make it happen. And he was like, I really hope that this coffee continues to grow and continues to produce because I really wanna see my family continue to do this for generations. And that's when I was like, hey, uh, can I plug something? Can I tell you like, hey, Mirror is all about reflecting what's good. Part of this farm, this farm is good. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if we ever buy your coffee, I really hope that we can reflect this heart and desire of yours mm-hmm. to create long-term sustainability. But also for Adi, working the coffee farm is a form of spiritual worship. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, we want to reflect your whole heart here. Yeah. Physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, we want to make sure that people know that when we get this coffee, this coffee is just going to shine what you are wanting to do and what you're doing on the on the ground. I believe that's what we mean when we say that writing a check is the floor. Is that 
I hope that we can do coffee work in a way that benefits everybody and that sees people, sees all people, so that people like Adi can feel seen and understood at the origin level. And for him, actually, and maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong, but for him, just writing a bigger check may not communicate that mm -hmm. as much as saying, hey, we're going to help you pass this down to future generations. We want to co-labor with you on this. Or to say, hey, you feel free to go to the ceremony. And for him, that's what communicates that care and him being seen maybe more than what we in the Western world think that writing a bigger check does. Mm -hmm. But that's not to say that we shouldn't in the first place. Right. It's a both and. That's where I think we do want to reflect what's good. Like we do think that storytelling is part of sustainability. We do think that visiting origins is beneficial. We do think that even when we aren't buying his coffee, we're still willing to visit him, that that's still valuable, that going to a ceremony is still valuable. All these things that you don't really hear get talked about in mm -hmm. the coffee industry because it's still just solely kind of almost boxed into just transparency and pricing. We don't hear about the ceremonies. We don't hear about Jorge's plans to build a church for his local community. We don't hear about, you know, all the, all these things that you, you actually hear over the table, over a cup of coffee, right. over, uh, you know, some soup or Jorge Mendez, when he took out these big jugs of honey that mm -hmm. come from coffee, blossom honey, and was like, dude, take some home, please. Like, yeah, it's a lot. And again, I know some folks will critique going to origin. Mm -hmm. And I, I know sometimes folks critique the fact that, hey, I took a ton of photos. Mm -hmm. I get it. But what I, what I hope is that this episode transcends that critique because folks can hear our heart behind storytelling. Mm-hmm. We get it. Pictures are great for marketing. We get that. We also know that side. Yeah. But I think what we care about more is that you look at these photos and you get to experience a little bit of what it felt like for me mm -hmm. to put on their ceremony garb, their head wrap. And it wasn't appropriation. They actually loved it. They wanted me to do it. Yeah, yeah. And I really hope when people see the pictures of those folks, I didn't post a lot of pictures of me. If you notice, all of the photos I po posted on my Instagram, there was only one photo of me and it was in the city at the cafe. Mm -hmm. I did not post a single photo of me with coffee farmers because the goal wasn't to show that I'm at the coffee farm, even though I took the photo. The goal was to show, hey, look at Adi, look at these ceremonies, look at this culture. That is the plot. That, that those are the main characters. Mm -hmm. So that's what I hope that when people listen to this podcast, when people hear about us going to origin, when people hear about us talking about money's not the solution, when people hear about us 
at the end of every podcast saying reflect what's good mm -hmm. that is what i want people to hear and experience i think there's some yeah and i also want to finish it with maybe a final thought of saying um blanket statements oftentimes kill nuance mm -hmm. and oftentimes the beauty is in the nuance word this podcast may not be applicable to a farmer and producer in africa or in el salvador or in brazil but that's not what we're talking about today <laughs> that's right and we need to leave space for that kind of nuance And instead of going either or, we can build a framework that says both and. Right. Final thoughts. I'll take that one. I reckon. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Coffee or Storm Sessions podcast. Please, please. I would love to hear your thoughts in the comment section, especially for this one. Would love if you could share this with another coffee enthusiast, home barista, maybe coffee professional, so we can share more stories like this with other people. This makes coffee taste better. Alrighty, folks. Thank you so much once again. And remember, as we always say, reflect what's good.